0: This is Anshu Bahanda on Wellness Curated. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. My mission is to empower you with health and wellness so that you can then go and empower others. We have Kate McHale who is a London-based freelance journalist and editor. She's written a wide range of features for the likes of The Guardian, The Observer, Telegraph, independent newspapers, other publications. And for decades, she wasn't able to sleep properly. And then she had a great, great uncle. She read something that he had written. His name was Richard Waters, and he was quite a pioneer in cognitive therapy uh, and in clinical hypnosis. So that's what made her realise that she was a chronic insomniac. And that started Kate on her research about sleep. Basically, that's what caused her to write this book, Teach Yourself to Sleep, and she explores the biology and science of sleep. There is so much in this podcast. Listen to this.
1: A light box Um, Mine emits 10,000 lux of light, which is the the unit you measure light in. And and my room, I was surprised to discover, is a very dark room, as most of our rooms are. It's about 150, 200 lux maximum. So if I put on my box, which i maybe an hour in the morning, that's giving me 10,000 lux. Very, very clear light signals to my brain to, um, you know, sync my circadian clocks.
0: Okay, tell me. Uh, what is wellness to you?
1: Mind-body equilibrium and really being sort of strong both physically and emotionally. And of course, if you can have quality sleep, then that really helps with that because, uh, you know, if we're well-rested and we get a good sleep-work-life balance, the three and good balance, then, you know, we are healthier, we are physically stronger, we are emotionally stronger, you know, we're more resilient, we're on a more emotional sort of uh, even keel we have more energy, we're cognitively sharper, we make better decisions. I mean, everything about our day is improved and therefore, you know, our wellness as a result, you know, we're able to be on top of our day and get the most out of our day. So I would say that sleep really is foundation, you know, of wellness.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know people who can do with less sleep, but if I don't get enough sleep, I'm like a zombie. But I have never come across a situation where so many people are having issues with sleep. The last two years, particularly since the pandemic. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, yes, yeah, sleep is a problem for so many people and it it is getting worse. And unfortunately it's just too easy for us to get disconnected from our natural sleep wake cycle, just modern society, the pace of life, the demands that are constantly being made on us. Our indoor life, you know, our diet often works against that. We might grab something fast-release, fast-release energy on the go. I mean, a big one is light, our relationship with light. We spend so much time indoors these days, and we really need natural light signals to sync our circadian clocks on a regular basis. I mean, As human beings, you know, we're hardwired to line ourselves up sink in with the rising and setting of the sun but of course too often we just get up get to the desk or short commute into an office and we're not getting that daylight so we're not sending the light signals we need that our brain then takes and reacts accordingly mm-hmm. so that's one big thing i did discuss this with professor brainard who's a, a NASA light scientist discussed mm-hmm. I had talked to him for the book and it's fascinating about how sensitive we are to the light around us and all those signals are being relayed constantly our body we physiologically react so later on at night obviously we need our melatonin levels to rise and how quickly we can suppress that with the wrong light signals so that's one big area another one is our cortisol levels I am saying the pace of life these days being so fast, our cortisol levels, our stress cameras can be pushed up. We don't necessarily have to feel, oh, I'm so stressed, but it's even just the relentless demands, the relentless messages, alerts, things we have to respond to, noise pollution. Uh, These are all pushing our cortisol levels up, and that can stop us sleeping well at night. And, of course, as you mentioned, the past two years, coronavirus, COVID, you know, it's caused huge anxiety, a lot of pain, and it has, on a day-to-day basis, disrupted routines, blurred those boundaries between work and play. And unfortunately, one of the post-COVID symptoms for those who have caught COVID is insomnia. So it is a big problem, and it's,
0: you know, it's how do you get back on track? It's very interesting what you're saying about light and how important that is. Because also what's happened with a lot of people since the pandemic is they're not going out to their offices. So you're getting less time in the light, you know, your bedroom to your study or going into your desk in your own bedroom.
1: Yes, exactly. Your commute can be one minute and, and, and the light indoors is so dim compared to outside. And obviously one of the uh, tips, if you can do it, a lot of people are obviously not even getting dressed for work, their loungewear, but you know, do a pretend commute around the block. You know, just try and get, give yourself a bit of daylight, but even just sort of sitting next to the biggest window in your in your home and looking up and and taking in the light you know we really do need our body needs that you know that's what we are hardwired to take in
0: I do yoga and in yoga you have the sun salutation which you do facing the sun Mm. so you're constantly looking up in the sun and you're looking down and then you're looking up again so it's something you're meant to do with the rising sun. So. Yes, yes,
1: yes. I mean, that morning, bright
0: morning light. Yes. So you're saying light, cortisol and COVID side effects are the three
1: Yeah, those pieces. are three. I mean, it's the pace of life as well, I'm saying. It's the constant demands that we make for us so that we don't sort of have time to switch off. We're sort of chasing our to-do list too much often.
0: So tell me, Kate, what do you recommend for all these people who are having a problem going to sleep? Yes, some people have trouble falling
1: asleep, as you know. Some people wake in the night. Some people wake yeah. too early. Um, yes. But, I mean, the, the big thing starting off is sort of knowing the basic biology of sleep and how your mind and body works. I mean, this is really vital because then, you know, we can work against it without even realizing we're working against it. So if you know how it works then you can work with it. You can support your biology and your body and and your whole sleep-wake pattern. So that is key. Also looking at the causes, you know, it's not just in the moment. It's things that have been happening in the day. Okay. Is your mind worrying? Are you thinking about problems in the day? Is your bed uncomfortable? It might be sort of things like that, or is there light pollution coming in? It's working out what is stopping you and then dealing with the causes. I was a chronic insomniac for years and years. And um, I tried sort of regular things. You know, I, I had sort of my lavender oil and um, and did lots of relaxing sort of routines towards the end of the day or just before bed. But I did, had no concept, really, of how my sleep was formed or, or what. And so I really had no control of the situation at all, I realise now. Without that understanding, you know, you can't particularly. So it's a matter of realising that, Our night and day are completely intertwined, and everything that happens in our day impacts our sleep at night. I now am very conscious of the light I take in, particularly in the morning. I will, as I said, take in that light, go for an early morning walk if I can. Mm -hmm. I also have a light box on my desk. What is a light box? Um, mine is, it emits 10,000 lux of light, which is the, the unit you measure light in. And, and my room, I was surprised to discover, is a very dark room, as most of our rooms are. It's about 150, 200 lux maximum. So if I put on my box for maybe an hour in the morning, that's giving me 10,000 lux. Very, very clear light signals to my brain to um, sync my circadian clocks and uh, give me a a serotonin release and make me more alert for the day so I use different tactics like that during the day to send the right light signals because funnily enough we need to actually reset our body clocks every day because we I don't know if you know we run slightly longer than the 24-hour clock outside our body clock so These these light signals are very valuable. Mm -hmm. Also cortisol, how do you get your cortisol? Got a whole chapter Mm -hmm. on this, science-based stress busters, I call them. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. stress, it's tension or just being overstimulated during the day. Our mind over-engaged. So what can we do to counteract that? As I said, different things work for different people. Nature was a huge one for people these past two years and continues to be, and that's got proven results. It brings cortisol down, it pushes up our happy hormones, you know, it really makes physiological difference, a positive uh, difference to us. I'll use different tactics in the moment, you know, to balance out my hormones in that way. One of my ones is I look at the four happy hormones, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. And if you can look at those, there are little things you can do to sort of just give them a lift and then yourself a lift in the process and counteract the anxiety or the stressful hormones that are being released. And also the third thing I which is really important is the words and thoughts that we use. I mean, this is what I found fascinating researching the books, which came, as you said, from my great, great uncle, Richard Waters, just the power and the effect that our words and thoughts have on us they actually change us you know they change our sort of you know our expectations and us physiologically okay do not call yourself a bad sleeper this actually feeds into your experience of it the neuroscience behind this is extraordinary and and there's one particular professor allison wood brooks at the um, Harvard Business School, she's done some extraordinary studies in this and, and how the words we use change how we actually feel and then how we subsequently behave.
0: So that's really interesting. There's things that you've said today which I don't hear people saying. There's a very important point you made that your day and night are intertwined. So what I hear a lot of people say is that, okay, three hours before sleep, you should do this. But nobody has said to me before, till I read your book, was that the day and night are intertwined. So what you do in the morning will affect your sleep at night. And your light box theory was very interesting. Of course, you talked about hormones. And then the other thing, which is very important. And I really believe that is what you've said about your power of suggestion. Be careful what you think. Don't keep saying, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to sleep again. Or, you know, you've convinced yourself of that or you convince your subconscious mind that you're a bad sleeper. So, Kate, coming on to the next thing, which you had mentioned. So one, one thing falling asleep, but then people wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, no matter what we do, we can't go back to sleep. So what do you suggest for that?
1: It's called, you know, fragmented sleepers when we wake up in the night and it can make us really tired the next day. Again, it's looking at causes and taking preemptive action during the day. Mm-hmm. They can be things as simple as caffeine and, and alcohol. They disrupt and fragment our sleep, as does cortisol. Cortisol fragments our sleep. So it's looking at the causes. What can you do in the day to, to help set that up and stop it happening? Also, of course, it can just become a habit after a while. So even if you take away all those things, the habit is there. So dismantling that, that habit, which I, I have a chapter on, on the science of habits. Where I talked to Dr. Carl S. Smith, who's a habit expert. Absolutely fascinating how habits establish themselves in the brain, why your brain reaches for one habit over another and what we can do to dislodge one and set up another one that we do want. But I mean, one thing to remember if you do wake in the night is really, might sound easier said than done, but but it's not, is to um, just don't worry about it. It is perfectly natural to wake up between sleep cycles. You know, we sleep in these roughly 90 minute sleep cycles. So we go from being Mm -hmm. awake into a light sleep, into a deeper sleep. Then we go into our, our REM, rapid eye movements, dream sleep. And then you know we can surface between that and our next 90 minute sleep cycle. So it's not the end of the world. It is perfectly natural. So you can just tell yourself, you can use suggestions. Just say, I don't have to worry about this. I will just go back and have however many more sleep cycles I'm going to have tonight. Because obviously worrying it triggers our fight or flight. And then that triggers the hormones that come with fight or flight. So that is going to wake us up, make us mentally Mm. alert. Of course, not reaching for a a blue-white light is is another. That is a complete no-no, because that will send wake-up light signals. You know, keeping it dark, doing some controlled breathing. You can increase your slow brain waves. um, If you can reduce your breaths to sort of... Know, breathe into five, out to five, or even up to ten in and out, reducing your breath to sort of right down to six or or, or three a minute can increase those slow brain waves. I mean, my problem going to sleep often was that I'd start thinking about things. I didn't give myself enough time in the day, clearly, to think about things, or Mm -hmm. I was running, 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 and then just stopping. Um, Likewise, in the middle of the night, might wake up and have worries that have woken you up or yeah. oh my goodness I've got this to do tomorrow or stresses or the news is obviously huge stress trigger so with any habit if you if you remove an element of it, there are various building blocks if you remove an element obviously you create a vacuum like with smoking people often chew gum or something to replace that uh, so you can fill in that take, so if you take out the rumination and the worrying you can put in Um, listing anything you're grateful for anything that went well in your day or your week and that will fill that vacuum and then help you relax and uh, offset any fight or flights so that you can relax and to rest and digest which is the state we need to be in to then drift
0: back to sleep this is Anshu Bahanda you can find our podcast wellness curated on Apple, Spotify, and a host of other channels. Basically, gratitude, deep breathing, not reaching out for the blue light for your phone or putting on a television. Those are the three big ones if you wake Those up in the middle ones. of the night. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The other thing you hear from people are when people say, I've slept the whole night, but I wake up exhausted, which means the quality of their sleep was not great.
1: Mm, mm. So and
0: that's why you find lots of people wearing the Aura ring because they, you know, they're trying to monitor the quality of their sleep. Why are they so tired in the morning?
1: We need—they say a minimum of seven hours. Or so if you're going sleep cycles and your sleep cycle is ninety minutes, that's going to be seven and a half hours. But so say you have got your seven and a half, or even nine hours, and you wake up exhausted. I mean, it's fascinating. Interestingly, insomnia is classified as a subjective disorder by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. And what that means is it comes down to our personal perception of how well we've slept, how much we've slept, how long it took us to get to sleep. Because interestingly, when they've done studies on this, insomniacs often take less time to fall asleep than, than they thought, they wake less often than they think, and they do have deep sleep. But like you say, they wake up feeling exhausted. So first of all, remind yourself that insomniacs do get more sleep. Reassure yourself you are getting enough sleep. You, you you know you are getting more sleep than you're consciously registering. Okay. I have sleep scripts in my book. Oh wow. A sleep script is I mean extraordinarily powerful. It works as a sleep habit cue. You know it changes our mindset, our expectations, our perceptions, our physiology, our behaviour. And in this case, ultimately our sleep. I have four, one by my great, great uncle, which uh, was only very, very short. One minute I recorded myself reading that in the first person. So it turns into an auto-suggestion where you're telling yourself what to do, which is very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. this is like a positive affirmation of what Mm -hmm. should be happening in your mind and body as you prepare for sleep, as you sleep, and then how you will feel when you wake up in the morning. And so it will help change that mindset and change your relationship and your and your perception of sleep. So I came across yeah. Professor Worrell and Dr. Hassan at the Manchester University NHS Foundation Trust who are working with clinical hypnosis. Incredible what they're doing and they're using it for their patients to treat insomnia, but also to reduce pain and uh, discomfort and, and a huge number of symptoms, phobias, all sorts. And it's, it's a very, very Powerful tool that doctors and scientists are increasingly exploring and using in the world of medicine, and we can use that in our everyday life and to improve our sleep.
0: It's a positive affirmation, and it sounds like cognitive behavior therapy, where there's a lot of suggestions, and sometimes I've even known therapist to give them to you recorded so you just play them yes you can play and you can listen
1: exactly so I sort of recorded myself reading that script and then listen to it once a day about five o'clock very short so then your brain you know where you're going it sort of starts that sort of evening countdown so that you're ready for bed when when the time comes
0: and how long does it take I mean if someone's had a sleep pattern that's settled into their life for a while how long would it take them to change their sleep pattern?
1: Well, there was a a study done on this. How do you set up a new healthy habit, desirable habit that you want? It was carried out by the UK's Health Behaviour Research Mm Centre. And they found that it takes a a minimum of 18 days to set up a new habit and an average of about 66 days. It can take longer, but the fact is that there's progress all the way. So even if you are someone who takes... 66 or longer You know, recognize that you are making progress and focus on those on that progress you're making so that that will cement that new habit even more and make it even stronger and until it becomes automatic
0: in terms of melatonin what is your view on that? Because there's, there's a lot of mixed reports on that in supplements.
1: Yeah. Yes, there's supplements. Um, yes, I mean, supplements, there's a lot of evidence to say that they can really help. Obviously, in the short term with jet lag and if you've had an upset or been ill or, or stressed, it can help. Ideally, get a brand recommended possibly from your doctor. In this country, it's in the UK, it's on prescription. Uh, in other countries, you can get it over the counter. But just... You know, maybe be sure of the brand you're buying, so the quantity is correct, the quality is correct. Although I would say push up your own melatonin levels. You know, there's so much we can do to maximise our melatonin levels. One would be increasing tryptophan in our diet. Uh, Tryptophan you find in in protein foods, high protein foods, animal Mm. products, but also beans, you know, pulses, that sort of thing. Um, and oats, a wonderful source of tryptophan. And tryptophan, we, the body needs to produce serotonin, the happy hormone, which in turn we need to produce melatonin, the sleep hormone. So if you have lots of tryptophan in your diet, that's a really good starting point. I mean, I've got a whole thing on chrononutrition, the ideal time to eat certain foods uh, for sleep. But tryptophan is a very good starting point. And then also to protect your melatonin levels at night so that they're not suppressed by blue white lights, particularly up close phones or screens, Mm -hmm. then your body will release, start releasing melatonin, which starts going up about 9 p.m. usually.
0: How can we ensure that people who don't have a problem with sleep, like children, that their sleep patterns remain healthy?
1: I know it is very worrying and because it really impacts them, you know, physically but emotionally, it's huge. And, of course, just on a basic level, obviously, it impacts their learning as well, because we mm. learn while we sleep. So, yes, with, with children, it's sort of just trying to keep their circadian rhythm strong, strengthening them, you know, trying to make sure they are getting those right light signals, which means coming off off screen, not gaming uh, too late into the night. Or if they are <clears throat> gaming, I mean, teenagers, it's a, it's a battle, isn't it? Uh, then can they wear those? Can you convince them to wear the blue light blocking glasses, so that at least their melatonin levels are being protected. Of course, they're still being engaged mentally and, and, it's, and it's that overstimulation that needs to be counteracted as well. Not having the phone, not using the phone as an alarm is, is if you, you know, if you can have another a radio alarm I bought for uh, my boys, so that they can just be woken up with music and not use their phone as an alarm. Things like that. Anything we can do to sort of strengthen their circadian rhythms and, you know, try and avoid the, you know, the social sort of uh, jet lag, they call it, you know, where you sort of have huge lines at the weekends that are up, and they're up at sort of seven, half six, seven for school midweek. If you can try and iron mm-hmm. that out a little bit then that would really help them.
0: What you hear from a lot of people is that when there is a sudden stressful situation in their lives, then you know, their sleep gets disturbed. And we've all mm-hmm. seen that when we're worried about something, we're constantly thinking about it. So how can we help with something like that?
1: Going for a walk is a fantastic one. Forest bathing, uh, as it's called, is wonderful. The research on this is there. It stands up that being surrounded by trees actually does make us feel better. It does calm us down. You know, we need to try and activate our, our parasympathetic nervous system and we can be proactive about that um, to try and help ourselves. We can't control the stress that's thrown at us so often. But you know, we can control how we respond to it, how we manage it. Like I say, yes, walking outside, trying and increasing your rest and digest state. Um, And also, you know, when you go to bed, you might feel stressed, but you can say to yourself, don't have to worry about that. You know, I will I will look at that while I dream. I'll think about that while I dream, because actually dreams are wonderful for processing intense emotions and emotions that really upsetting during the day. We can look at those or we do look at those while we're asleep but from a non emotional standpoint mm-hmm. so it gives us that perspective that distance and actually makes us more able to cope with it
0: and what is your view on power naps or naps during the day to rejuvenate yourself
1: well naps can be very very useful um you know if you're chronically sleep deprived or if you'll just need a top up keep it short so you don't get into a deep sleep so that might be about 20 minutes if you can do a Regular nappers can do those short ones quite easily. If you're chronically sleep deprived and you've had hardly any sleep cycles during the night, then you could give yourself a whole sleep cycle, a whole 90 minutes during the day. But not to take it too late in the day is key. They say that one o'clock really should be the cutoff. So the earlier, the better. So yes, naps are wonderful, but short and earlier. Okay. And any advice? So... Running to sort of my top five from what we've been going through, I'd say everything about our day feeds into our sleep. You know, they are interlinked. So your bedtime routine starts when you open your eyes in the morning. The second one, you know, get outside as much as possible. Get natural light in your life as as much as you can. Be proactive about managing your cortisol and doing what you can to um, reduce the tension and overstimulation in your life diet there are lots of things to diet but the one that i would say for now is tryptophan if you can increase your tryptophan mm-hmm. then more serotonin more melatonin and yes the most powerful possibly or with light is choose your words carefully and your thoughts listen to a sleep script give yourself that support to to rewrite your mindset, your behavior. You know, the neuroscience shows that our words and thoughts, they alter everything, our feelings, our physiology, our hormones, our expectations, our perceptions, and our behavior. You you may have slept badly in the past. That does not have to be your future.
0: This is someone who's saying she wakes up in the middle of the night to always eat at the same time.
1: What is your view on that? Have a little slow-release snack so, you know, 30, 40 minutes before she goes to bed. And my number one snack would be, uh, would be porridge, <laughs> jumbo oats. It's uh, slow release. It's packed with tryptophan. Um, so it would stop you being hungry in the middle of the night and would carry you through and would give you that melatonin boost. You know, It might be habit. So then maybe you might just have a little sip of water. Mm-hmm. Why
0: do we feel thirsty at night?
1: The thing is, we often are dehydrated. So just if you can keep hydrated, keep hydrated all day long. But for the two or so hours before bed, no, you don't want to drink a lot. Otherwise, that, will, that can wake you up fragment your sleep, Sleepy teas I don't have in those two hours before bed because that's a lot of liquid you're taking in.
0: What would be an ideal time to eat dinner to ensure that you sleep well? Two, three hours, maybe three hours before bed. So you have time to digest. Okay. What is the best time to sleep? For maximum repair and for how long
1: well that is very individual we have to work out what is our body clock what's your natural chronotype some of us early chronotypes some of us are late some in between so research says you know sort of maybe ten thirty p.m but that's not going to work for everyone some people want to go to bed much earlier than that mm-hmm. and some later and they can work you know their, their timetable can work with that the minimum they say really the latest is seven hours minimum so Whatever time you go to bed, if you can keep it as regular as possible around life, I mean, you know life is not set in stone, is it so it's as regular as possible, And you know if you can give yourself seven to eight hours, seven and a half to eight hours, I would say, maximum of nine, that's really perfect.
0: Some women are asking about the time their sleep has been affected is when they're going through menopause.
1: I've had readers write in about that too, that their, their sleep is disrupted since menopause and, had, and then thankfully got, on, got back on track after reading my book, which, which is really okay. wonderful, wonderful to hear. Yes, obviously we can overheat a lot during the menopause, women. So, and we need our body temperature to drop a couple of degrees at night. And that helps us, well, that makes us go to sleep and stay asleep. If we overheat, then we wake up. You really want your room at about 17 degrees uh, centigrade. Really light bedding, bedding that you can throw off layers, light, natural fibre. And if you do wake up and you're overheating, hands and feet, the extremities they're called, get them out from underneath your bedding. Mm. That will cool your core body temperature down pretty fast, which will then allow you to go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Controlled breathing is very effective for this through hot flushes. Use that and remind yourself that this is effective and it's proven.
0: That was wonderful, Kate. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the Wellness Curated podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends and family about it. And here's to you leading your best life.